we had a lot of people on our uh, rookie roster and you know I was leading the charge for the rookie class and it was because I was just like determined and I believed in myself and I made it happen so um, even in business when I discounted myself sometimes oh you're just an athlete oh you don't know much about business um, this and that just believe in yourself and make things happen it's literally the truth if you can tell yourself that you really believe that not just tell yourself that but really really believe it um, I think anything is possible so you can make it happen. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has built several businesses into seven and eight figure companies, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and, and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great uh, guest on the podcast, and it's Stephen Sylvester. And uh, Stephen, first of all, just as a complete side note, but is it, he's, he went to the U of U. I went to BYU. I feel like a little bit lucky that he's wearing, he, you'll see you, he's wearing U of U outfit. I don't have my BYU garb on, so I feel like it's, I, I lost a competition already. But with that, so Stephen grew up in LA, got a full ride to U of U, played football for him. Drafted to the, um, I think, Pittsburgh in 2010, played for about five years until he had an injury and then was trying to decide what to do, what to do from there, where to go, um, did some nonprofit work with, um, for a period of time and promoting leadership and leaders and improving uh, society. And then uh, decided that uh, nonprofits are hard to make money off of and was trying to figure out the next thing. So he liked barbershops, he liked haircuts, and he decided uh, to go into kind of what I would describe as an Airbnb for cosmetology. So that's kind of a very quick overview of his journey, and we'll dive a bit more into it. But welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. So... Walk us through a bit of your journey. I mentioned you kind of grew up in LA, so maybe pick up from there and we'll have a good conversation. Well, I grew up in Las Vegas. Okay, I, I messed it up. I said LA. Las, they both have, they both start with L and A, so that's where I got it. Right. There's a lot of, um, a lot of Californians that come to Las Vegas <laughs> and vice versa, so I definitely get it. I definitely get it. But yeah, I grew up in Las Vegas, um, fortunate enough to grow up in the same household as my six cousins and my older brother. So we had eight kids in the house that my mom was taking care of. So it was a little chaotic, but um, extremely, extremely beneficial to my development. You know, I did not lack in social skills at all. Um, so it was awesome into that fact. We were all very heavily into sports, multi-sport people, whether it was soccer, track, baseball, mm. um, basketball was our, our main sport. And then, of course, I, I grew into football. So, um, you know, life was life was great growing up. Um, in fact, I, I get married here in the next few days and I was making, I'm in charge of the wedding slideshow. So I was going through old photos and uh, just looking at, you know, where I came from or what I've done is uh, it's truly uh, amazing to look back on, on, on those times to know that um, where your mind was, you know, mm. at, that, at that age, it's like, I didn't know what I was going to be when I grew up. I didn't know what my future lied ahead. Who knew that I would get a full ride football scholarship or I play in the NFL, you know, as a kid, you go to recess and you're like, oh, I'm playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I'm doing this and that. I'm Emmitt Smith today. I'm Deion Sanders. Um, but to actually play at, at that level and, you know, it, it was, um, 
definitely a dream come true. So walk me through, first of all, I'll give you my 30 second aside that has, other than you mentioned marriage. So the, the funny thing is you mentioned it just gave me a flashback. So I've been married for 13 years now. Yeah, 13 years. I had to give it a, th- a second thought, so I didn't mess it up. But we were going through and um, going through pictures, you know, same thing for you for a slideshow and doing all that. And it was actually my, my wife's dad that did a lot of that. He loves photography and that. And he was going through pictures from their side, you know, that he'd taken my wife over the years. And all of a sudden he saw a picture of me on a soccer team. And he was sitting there, well, this is Brooks, you know, this is my wife's picture. Come to find out, we'd played on the same, like, six or seven-year-old soccer team. Not, not, nobody in either family remembered it. We, it popped up in the middle. And we're like, wait, there she is, there I am. So we didn't meet again, we didn't meet again, until, uh, again until college. We met at BYU. Um, uh-huh. But it was just funny that – so you never know what you're going to have pop up in the pictures because we had one where we played on the same Little League soccer team, had no idea until we got married. So That's destiny. I like that. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So with that as an aside, now jumping back to your story. So you did, you played for U of U and although they're the BYU rivals, still, uh, still like to see you guys win and you got to draft it in. First of all, what, I can't remember. So U of U in 2010. Now, now you guys, U of U just dominates everybody. Was the football team still as good then as it is now? Or, or what was the, where were you guys ranked at? So BYU uh, was a lot better when I played. Uh, I know. Sad day. No, no, it's it was it, it was the definition of a rivalry. It, it came down to the last play every single year, except for our undefeated year when we played Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I think we won by twenty in that game. But every year it was like there's a storyline. It's like oh John back to Harleen. Oh um, fourth and eighteen where Colleen ca- caught a pass. Or my senior year overtime with uh, Max Hall to Andrew George. Um, it all came down to like the last play as far as defining uh, who won the game. But um, I, I don't know. My experience, I love playing at LaBelle Edwards Stadium. Um, I love away games anyway because <laughs> I love to hear the boos. I love the, the crowd. <laughs> like when I play for the Steelers, I loved going to Cleveland. Cleveland was never great, but their fan base, oh, man, they didn't care if they won or lose. They would let you have it. So um, I love that atmosphere, that competitive atmosphere where nobody likes me, where uh, it's kind of like the odds are against me. And um, so I kind of relish in those moments. That's awesome. So, well, awesome. So now you did play for the U of U for, or during college, and then you got drafted to Pittsburgh and you kind of said, this was your dream. You know, it, it, I mean, I assume it's every football player dream to make the NFL. It doesn't matter how long you play, how much time you get just to make it to the absolute top of competition is kudos to you. It shows how, how well, how skilled you were, how was playing in the NFL for those, those years that you played. Cloud nine. Um, I get asked this question often. It's like, I, I don't have an answer. It was like my first year there, um, you know, going through my years at, 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 Utah and then my first year in the NFL I went to the Super Bowl and it was just like is this how it's supposed to be this just feels it just feels great I mean like we were winning we were 12 and 4 it felt like we were unstoppable number one defense Roethlisberger was killing it we had uh Heinz Ward Antonio Brown Rashard Mendenhall Mike Wallace uh Emmanuel Sanders Heath Miller our offense was just amazing and then our defense was the number one defense in the league it's just we felt like a juggernaut 
And so I was like, is this how it is? And so as a rookie, you don't really see that adversity. And then, you know, the first year you have so much success. So all of my, my the other four years, it's kind of like, uh, it's either Super Bowl or nothing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but literally my experience in the NFL was tremendous. Uh, I played with the best players that, you know, you only dreamed of. You know, uh, when these guys were first getting into the league, I was in middle school for some of them. Like um, James Ferrier and I, we, we were in the same linebacker room. Uh, he got drafted in 1996. I was only eight years old at that time. And so we were we were playing at this. It's incredible. Like uh, I was a big Michigan Wolverines fan um, when I was younger, as far as football, it was Michigan Wolverines in, in Florida state. And lo and behold, Larry foot was on the teams that I liked. So it was like, I'm playing with guys that I've only watched on TVs that I loved. And it was just like, I was, it was a dream come true. Who thought that I would play with Ben Roethlisberger and Heinz mm. Ward and, and line up next to Troy Polamalu. Some of these hall of famers, um, Dick LeBeau was my coach. Like it was, um, I, I just didn't believe where I was at. I was like, I'm dreaming and I don't ever want to wake up. And so um, it was just an amazing experience to know that um, I put in a lot of work mm. before the NFL to know that this is the pinnacle. This is, this is the results of your labor. And so um, it was awesome. Something that I can always put on my resume and a conversation starter. So it's pretty <laughs> Hey, I'm sure that it's a great, much better conversation start. When I tell people I have a patent attorney, like, oh, that sounds boring. So <laughs> you have a much better conversation started than I do. Um, so you did that one aside. So I assume it's a misconception, but I'll ask anyway. Everybody that plays in the NFL is millionaires and you're set for life. Is that a, uh, is a, true, a true assumption or a myth? It's a big myth. <laughs> um, you know, you just see the big contracts as far as there's just tons mm. of other players there. Now, you do get paid good. There, that is, there's no denying that. But mm. if everybody was like, oh, you played in the NFL, you must have made millions of dollars. That's not true at all. Um, in mm. fact, you know, the, the longevity, uh, the actual length of a career, the average length of a career is just two and a half years. Really? So, um, and then if you're at you know, just minimum salary, that's only 600,000 bucks. If you're active, if you're non-active, it's only like 200,000 bucks in like a two year span. So uh, this millionaire talk is not what everybody expects, but you know, uh, once you get to a certain level, it's like all the things you've ever wanted in life are just now at your feet. People are throwing it at you as far as look, here's an option. It's like, oh, crap, I have some money, you know, next year, I could probably make a really good amount of money. So it's not like I'm be losing anything. And that's the mindset that goes on. It's like, I could spend $10,000 on this. I'll, I'll definitely get this back in a year. Don't worry about it. And next thing you know, it's like you get an injury and you don't have that money. So it's like, dang, I had plans on doing this and that. So I think mm -hmm. what people's impression needs to be on how well did you budget? You know, how well did you take that money that you do have because you have money that you made in two years that people don't make in five to 10 years. Right. Mm. Um, so how did you uh, make that last or how did you improve yourself to set yourself up for in the future? Because most people are done with football by the age of 26, 27. Mm. And so it's like, you still have a whole life ahead of you. And so it's like, how did you set yourself up to be able to 
uh, be okay at 50, at 55, and at 60, because it does. It, a lot of people say NFL stands for not for long, and so it's right. So it's like, um, you know, how well did you plan? How well did you game plan? Or did you get greedy and just be like, I'm, I'm so good. I made it to this level. Um, I don't have to worry about anything. It'll come to me just like everything else in life. Um, but, you know, uh, it's a lot of work that went into that. And people that lose focus, um, lose focus on that as well as, as for not planning for the future. No, I think that's very insightful. And I assumed it was a myth, but I thought I'd give you a chance to, to just to confirm that. So, so now you mentioned a little bit of, you know, career and career ending injuries and those type of things. And I think that's kind of where you got to as well. You played for about five years and then you bumped in or you had an injury that you had to then pivot and do something else. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I got an injury. Um, so my last year was with the Buffalo Bills. So I played my five years with the Steelers and then um, I started the year with uh, Buffalo. Um, I got taken in right before training camp and I got started and I was starting for the Bills. So it was awesome. Mm. Uh, I was going to have a great year. And then all of a sudden we're playing the Panthers and I'm chasing Cam Newton out of the pocket. And I go to hit him and my defender actually uh, hits him first. So I'm coming to hit him this way. My defender hits him this way. And just before I do, he nicks my knee a little bit. And like, I don't, it was like a real, it's like a flick. That's what it felt like. So I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, it felt a little weird. And I went and played the rest of the game. And then after the game, I'm like, my knee is killing me. But I was like, we got the Steelers next week. So I'm not really telling anybody anything. And so um, we play the Steelers. And then after the game, the doctor's like, this thing is 97% torn. My patella tendon was dangling down on my knee and he's like I don't know how you played this game you said you've been feeling like this all week like uh that's impressive as one but your knee is torn like that's that's what's going on so I'm like dang I had a um had to have surgery had to rehab um I was training like crazy actually got I felt like I was in better shape than I was before my injury you know, um, they, they uh, fixed a lot of old stuff that was in there, some calcification buildup that was making things hard to, to operate in it. They cleaned all of that up. So I got a completely clean knee and it felt better than it did before. But um, the NFL looks at things weird. So I think teams looked at my injury and what I had and they were just like, uh, people that have that injury don't come back. So I really, I didn't even get another opportunity to, to go for a workout, to do anything for the next two years. Um, so you kind of see that you got to get the feeling is like nobody's giving you any love. Nobody's doing this and that. And um, it just sucked. So it was bad. So, so now you do that. And I got to imagine, I mean, that's got to be kind of the, the, you know, polar opposites. On the one hand, you've got cloud nine, you get to make it to the NFL, you get to play for forever, you know, play, play the, with the players you've always grown up watching and everything else. And then you get an injury and the, you know, and you're, you're taken out and they won't give you another shot and you have to figure out what do I do next? So how did you kind of pick up from there? How did you make the transition or where did you go from there after you kind of saw that with the NFL, you weren't going to get another shot to come back, even if you were in better condition, what did you do? Right. So, um, I, I took that, you know, I took that as I probably wouldn't get another chance in NFL. Just in case it happened, I still stayed in shape. So uh, I tried to figure out what it is I like to do. Um, uh, so 
actually, before I moved to Buffalo, I started building my house and I had a general contractor come in and he was an awesome guy. We developed a friendship and mm. I remodeled my whole basement. So my basement was custom and um, I loved that. And so since we built a relationship, he was like, why don't you just come work with me while you're training? So I would go at six in the morning, I'd go do my workouts um, and then I'll be done by eight, eight thirty. And then I'd go work with him at nine, nine to five. We'd, I would work uh, that entire time at, at demolishing and, and remodeling houses. Um, so I love that whole fact, the whole remodel houses, the demolition phase is my favorite. I just get the breaks. <laughs> get a smash. That was, right. that's, that's always my part. Whenever I watch like all the housing shows and demolition, they get to just take a sledgehammer and smash. That always looks like the most fun to be. It's so awesome. I loved it. But um, I was considered like a grunt. So I essentially did another workout while I was working him. So all of the drywall, all of the, uh, the wood beams, the framings, uh, we would have and there's no real outside access all of the stuff. So I would have to. So that would serve as my workout. So I, I additional workout. Mm. So I would bring up like 1,200, 1,300 pounds of lumber up and down six flights of stairs on a couple days. Awesome. Bones in and just hammered it out. And after that, after a day's work, I'd go do my second workout at the U. I would go lift. So I'd run in the mornings. I would do all the general contractor stuff during the day. And then I would go lift in the afternoons. So I was training like crazy. So I was in really good shape. I loved it. And then um, I was just like, oh, what do I love to do? And so I started a nonprofit with some friends of mine. Some of my friends knew that I love to do community service work. I did a thing every single year called Shop with Sly. I started mm -hmm. when I was in Pittsburgh. I uh, take kids shopping. So I wouldn't necessarily about 10 to 15 of them shopping every single year, give them a $100 gift card. And I just have them go crazy in the store. It's, uh, it's really uh, go through when they're like seven, eight years old dollars. What do I do at that point? And it's, um, it's, it's truly, truly great. Um, but, uh, so I started working at that and then I jumped, um, I, I realized that I couldn't make money, um, doing a nonprofit. You know, I love to do it. It's awesome, but I wasn't making any money doing it. So I'm like, okay, bank account, you know, planning for the future. I have to get a job. I have to have something stable to where um, I can make some kind of money. What do I actually want to do for work? And so I started looking at other things I love. I love to get haircuts. I know it doesn't look like it now, but, um, you know. <laughs> hey, I, I think I'm, your haircut looks great. And you got the facial hair going on. So yeah, <laughs> I think it looks good. I appreciate it. You know, I'm kind of saving it up. I want a fresh haircut as I walk down the aisle on, on Thursday. So it's going to be great. Um, but uh, I love to get haircuts and I, I love the way it makes me feel after, you know, even though on the football field, uh, I'm wearing a helmet um, or something like that. But if I got a haircut, I feel that much more confident and better. And I played better just because mm. I got a haircut. And it, and it was universal. Like uh, during the NFL, we had people come to our hotels or come to the football facility and cut us up before Sunday night football or Monday night football. And um, it was just a luxury that I just loved. So um, 
I was just like, okay, that's awesome. I was like, how many other people feel that way? Started talking with a friend. It's like, man, I have so much trouble communicating with my barber. I wish he would just come to me and cut my hair. I'm just like, uh-oh. Okay, we got Uber, we got Lyft, we got um, Grubhub, delivering food, uh, picking people up, transportation, technology. stuff. I was like, what about Uber for barbers? Or what about, you know, uh, people coming to you to give haircuts? I'm like, oh, that's an idea. So I started exploring, started doing research. My cousin um, that we grew up 12 days apart is, uh, is our age. And so we grew up together and the eight kids in the house. Uh, he's a master cosmetologist, so he does men and women's hair. And I just started talking to him. I was like, what are some problems in the industry? What are you guys um, going through? And, you know, I found out that I have a lot of problems on my side, but they got a lot of problems on their side, too. Hmm. So it was just like, okay, there's a common problem here. Where can I find a solution? So I developed an app that's going to be like Airbnb for cosmetology, as you said. It's hmm. it's to improve and enhance connection in the cosmetology industry. We want people to con connect on, on many different levels. Um, as a client, uh, there's a vetting process. I don't know if I like every single barber. I don't know if I like every single nail technician, but what research do I need to do to find that information out? I wish I could see their portfolios individually. Mm. You know, if you go to Google, you're pulling up a salon. And it's like, the salon doesn't cut my hair, the individual does. So yeah, it's a five-star salon, but you might have a one-star stylist that ends up cutting my hair. And so that sucks. I need to know who's cutting my hair. It's very important. And I found out that it's a very intimate relationship, client to provider. So, um, you know, they have to feel comfortable with you. You have to feel comfortable with them. Um, so I created a platform where you can literally find out all the information you need to know about a provider beforehand. And whatever a provider needs to know about their client, you know, what allergies do they have? What, um, what pain points do they uh, not want? If they want a certain hair color, if they uh, need all this information about their client, you can do this on this platform that's for easy communication. You know, I sit in a barber shop and my barber's literally on the phone while he's cutting my hair. It makes my hair cut take 15 minutes longer because he has to take those calls. That's business. Sure. And so I was like, what if there was an automated platform that can get him to essentially focus on the client that's in his chair and improve the quality of service. And, um, and so that's what we've created. We created a, a product for barbers, hairstylists, nail technicians, eyelash technicians, makeup artists, estheticians, anybody in the cosmetology industry that performs a service, you can jump on the app clip and, um, and get clients to come to you or you can go to the clients. So, so that, so that was going to be my question. So you can either still go into their, their shop or wherever they they're set up and you can still or schedule it that way or vice versa. You can have them come to you and actually do it in your house. Is that right? No question. So uh, the key goal is communication, right? Mm. We're enhancing all of that. If you're a stylist who's like, I'm cool with being in the shop. I don't want to go out anymore, but I do need more, uh, more clients. I do need organization. Um, that we're enhancing that communication is letting you know that somebody wants to come to you so they can book in your chair or this person say, say you're a younger stylist. And I was like, look, I make more money being mobile. Um, I don't like to be in the, the, the comforts of uh, a salon uh, because all I see is these four walls every day. I love networking. I love talking to people. I love getting out and I'm providing a convenient service to clients. I would come to you. 
There's mm. so many people out there like that, but there's not a platform to communicate or even know if somebody does that. So I've got to imagine it's a way for a lot of people that don't have a salon or don't want to be in part of the industry. They want to be independent. They want to be on their own, that they can then start to build up that clientele because they can get a great reputation without having to have a building and a, a lease and or a loan or anything else in order to get going. So that's awesome. Precisely. Precisely. So, well, now as we, we start to wrap up towards the end of the podcast, and we, there's always more things I'd like to talk about that ever tried to talk about it, but um, jump to the two questions I always ask at the end of the podcast. So the first question I always ask is, so throughout all of your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? I, you know, the, I, I, I've been blessed with a lot of luck. First of all, you know, if you go through my resume, me even getting a scholarship to college, me uh, getting drafted to the NFL, uh, meeting the people that I've met with in my life, um, I'm lucky. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there are some times where you take some punches and all of that. And as far as an entrepreneur and business, um, I, I wouldn't go into business with somebody who didn't invest just as much as you. You know, um, it's, it's really hard, you know, cause there was, I, and it's not, it's, it's not necessarily financials, you know, everybody has their, uh, their place at their, but as far as somebody being able to put in the same amount of work as you, the same time, um, the financials is a, a huge emotional part of it, but, um, I, I definitely want somebody that I'm going in level with it doesn't matter if i'm a millionaire and they're not mm. i need that something needs to be able to be on the same plane i uh, went through a couple different partners with this and either they couldn't support me in time they could support time energy the deal a lot of time for me finances i had to cover for them on some things um, so that, that's my question is going into business with somebody who's not willing to put it. You. No, I think, I think that makes great sense. And, you know, and I, I think I liked how you pointed out that, you know, it's not only just, are you going to go 50, 50 in the money, you know, and not the money is not important for a startup, but it's also, Hey, you know, if you're not going in clear and you're saying, Hey, I'm going to be doing all the work and I'm putting in 50% in the cash and, you know, it starts to create a, a tension and it may even be that the partner is going in thinking that this was well understood, that it wasn't that it was malice or them trying to take advantage. It's just, Hey, I didn't realize you were thinking we'd have to both do 40 hour work weeks. I was thinking this would be a side hustle 10 hours a week. And I think that that taking that as an idea of a lesson learned is, you know, going in, making that clear and understanding what he, or what the expectations are on both ends can oftentimes avoid a lot of contention and a lot, a lot of issues with, you know, with different partnerships you may form. So, all right, we, so we take that. That's the first uh, question I always ask. Now we'll jump to the second question, which is now you're talking to someone that's just getting into startups, just getting into small businesses. What would be your one piece of advice you'd give them? My one piece of advice is, is really cliche. You hear it a lot, but it's, it's really, really true. Uh, believe in yourself. It's simple as that. As I look back on my life and, and where I have gotten to and the reason there is, is, is believing in myself. I was the little brother, my brother, my older brother, he's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 240, 250 pounds. And he's a specimen and he was great. And there's, as, 
copying. When he was getting coached, I was right on the side trying to get better. Um, and so when I got to being, uh, you know, my stature, um, you know, there was times where I was like, I don't know if I could do all this. But as soon as I was just like, okay, you are better than this. You, you can do this. You have the ability. It just took off. It, it all came. Everything that was in my thoughts of me dunking on somebody or me going in between the legs and, and, and being LeBron James or being Michael Jordan at that time, I could do that as soon as I just said, I do have the capabilities. And it went on into college. I started my freshman year because I said, I'm better than all of these guys. Um, and and I, can, I can come in here and really make an impact. I do have athletic ability. And then when I got to the NFL, I was the first rookie out of Antonio Brown, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, um, Jonathan. I, we had a lot of people on our uh, rookie roster and you know I was leading the charge for the rookie class and it was because I was just like determined and I believed in myself and I made it happen so um, even in business when I discounted myself sometimes oh you're just an athlete oh you don't know much about business um, this and that just believe in yourself and make things happen it's literally the truth if you can tell yourself that you really believe that not just tell yourself that but really really believe it um, I think anything is possible so you can make it happen. No, I think, that, and I think that's awesome. And, you know, interest, I think it's, it's a good point in the sense. So the one thing that I always, and it's either the worst business decision and or the piece of advice, a lot of people that I've had on the podcast will give is just get started. And I think that the reason a lot of people don't get started is they're lacking that belief. They don't just believe that they can do it to your point is whether it's, Hey, I don't have the education or I don't have the experience or I don't have the money or whatever it is. And they, they start to talk themselves out of why they shouldn't believe in themselves. And to your point, if you just would have that belief, Hey, no, I'm as good as anybody out there. I can do it and I can do it better and I can make a difference. It makes all the difference in the world. And I think makes or sets you up for success. So I like that. Well, as people want to connect up with you, they want to get on your platform. They want to be a, you know, be, or be one of the you a user. They want to be on your platform to give haircuts or to do other things that you guys provide, find out more information, reach out to you, any or all of the above. What's the best way to connect up with you? Social media. Um, I'm not great on social media, but I do answer. Um, so I would connect with me on Stevenson underscore Sylvester 10 on IG, Facebook, Steven Sylvester, or even reach out to uh, my website. Go to my website, www.clipme.com. Um, there's plenty of sources on there to get in touch with me. Uh, or my, my business uh, IG is Clip Official. Um, somebody could definitely get in touch with me on there. So um, if anybody has any questions, I, I love to have these conversations. I love to help people. As I said, that's why I started my nonprofit. I give lots of experience. I wouldn't say business advice because I'm not the best at it. Uh, I'm still working towards it. I'm still trying to be the best at it. Um, but if anybody wants to know anything about my experiences from, from athletics to getting started with businesses, um, I love to have those conversations. So reach out to me on social media, LinkedIn, um, whatever uh, platform you use. Um, and I'd love to get in touch with you. Well, awesome. Well, I definitely uh, encourage everybody to reach out to you, connect with you, check out the website, any or all of the above, because I think it's, it's, a, it's a, a great journey you've had and a great, uh, great uh, product and service you're offering now. 
Well, for those of you that are listeners on the podcast, if you have your own journey to tell, feel free to sign up to, to tell your journey at inventivejourneyguest.com. We'd love to have you on. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you can get a notification as all the new episodes come out. And lastly, if you ever need any help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out uh, to us at uh, Miller IP Law, and we're here to help. Stephen, thank you for coming on. It's been fun to hear your journey and wish you the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Deb. Appreciate it.